All right, everyone, welcome to today's uh, podcast. We're talking about what weight loss won't fix. I love this conversation because a lot of times, again, the diet industry has conditioned you to think that losing weights can just make everything absolutely magical. Uh, it's not. It's not. <laughs> so, you know, here I am, weight mastery coach telling you that because uh, it's not. Uh, the weight, just like money, is a means to an end. And I think you need to look at this honestly. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to start losing some weight and you're going to realize that you still got problems in your life and you're going to get discouraged. So you need to very clearly see that weight loss and getting to your goal weight and being the best version of yourself is a means to an end. It's not the end in and of itself. So what weight loss isn't going to fix? It's not going to fix your social life. It's not going to fix your romantic life. It's not going to fix your finances. It's not going to fix your feelings of boredom and loneliness. So whatever's going on in your life that you're not happy with, the weight is a part of it, but it's not the whole thing. And I think it's really important to see this clearly. Because as I said, if you don't, you're going to be very, very discouraged and disappointed when you start losing the weight and you still feel sad, lonely, you're still stressed out about money and all the other bullshit that's going on in your life. So if you see this more clearly, I think this actually starts to become more motivation because I think that being the best version of yourself, slimming down, having more energy, feeling like you look better, feeling more confident, all the wonderful things that come from losing weight can help you fix those things more effectively. But in and of themselves, weight doesn't just magically make those better, okay? So you gotta see this for what it is. But then you fold this into the motivation. And this is why I always say, you gotta take your weight loss and wrap it in personal development. Because what you want is to fix those things in your life. You want those things more than you even want the weight loss. You've lost weight before and if nothing improves much with it, then you just go back to putting the weight on because a lot of times what's driving the weight is the eating and what's driving the eating is the stress and the emotions from all the things I mentioned, from the relationship that's not working, from the loneliness, from the stress, from the finances, from stresses in life. So we need to be able to realize that that's what we're truly after. We're looking to create a reality where we are able to meet our challenges and create the quality of life that we wanna have. And one aspect of that is having the weight mastered, but it's not the only thing. And it doesn't just magically fix everything. So I just wanted to share this with you. And again, I hope this is an empowering message because I'm gonna guess that you have lost weight at some point. And if it magically made everything wonderful and great, you would have never put the weight back on. So we need to understand that again, the weight is a part of the process. And the more accurately you see this, and the more bigger you make your goal, so it's not just weight loss, <clears throat> I think the better you set yourself up for real, true, ultimate success. So give this some thought, and I hope it helps you out. Uh, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. Let me get on here with a message that may not sound too motivating, but I, I think it is. <laughs> and I say this because I was, uh, I don't know if she's here, but I was inspired by uh, a client yesterday. We had a group coaching call yesterday. Which again, we got such a great group right now, but it was it was a great call yesterday, I thought. And um, one of the clients, she's she's making some real progress. You know, she goes, well, what do I work on now? <laughs> you know, and it just reminded me that, that that's such a great point because and what we worked on was being more social, you know, doing more things outside of the norm, getting outside of her, her place more, um, interacting with other people more, doing things that interest her more. And so, again, you may know this on some, some level, but I really want to make it crystal clear because we're constantly, what a lot of diet marketing is built around is the concept of the false hope syndrome, where they basically make it seem like if you lose the weight, everything you know is magically gonna improve. 
And I think, you know, the diet industry is so full of shit in so many ways that now at this point you want to lose weight, but you don't even know what to do. You're just, just, I find this so crazy. Weight is just one of the most crazy areas in life because you think about it so much and you just don't get anywhere with it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the marketing, the nonstop marketing and bullshit that's pumped into our heads. And one big part of that is this false hope syndrome that it's just going to fix everything when it's not. It's a piece of the puzzle, just like money. Money's not going to fix everything. And so, you know, you got to see it accurately and honestly. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. Here we are on a Friday. Friday, Super Bowl week, Valentine's week. <laughs> I'm looking forward to next week to get my eating back on track. Well, this is clear now. But uh, it's not focus. This freaking, I'll tell you, I don't know. I'm learning things. Will I ever learn how to use cameras? You can't tell on TikTok because it's all automatic, but I have a camera I use and I I set this thing wrong on the wrong settings six times out of 10. <laughs> and I don't know, it keeps changing settings. That's, that's the part, you know, that I don't get. It just keeps changing settings. Oh, whoops. But anyways, I don't know. So just so say you get a blurry picture of me in some places. Right, whatever. I'm just gonna leave it alone. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> my voice is a little off. Um, Rocket Girl, I said the f I did the five two eating plan since January one. This week has been a disaster. All right, join the club, Rocket Girl. I'm right there with you. Uh, yeah. So you know, here's the thing though, and, I, and I'm glad I almost did a lesson on this today, like how to handle meltdowns, how to handle just <laughs> weeks like that. So I, I am just going to say, I'm not saying you're, you're implying this, but the way you frame that, I, I, I read a lot into things. I could be wrong. I could be right. L let me know. But when I see things like I did, the f I did, I did, past tense, the 5-2 eating plan since January 1st this week has been a disaster. Eating plans, there's no eating plan on the planet that you would start that you're just going to start and it's going to be perfect all the time. I, I literally, I almost did the lesson on this and I say it's because of my own, my own experience this week and some other clients I've been talking to having tough weeks. Uh, you're always, they're always going to be tough weeks, no matter what eating plan. <laughs> now program yourself, then we're always looking to get not just five, two, but really structuring it and optimizing it for you. Even that, like, like for me, so I'll use myself as an example, 30 years I've been at this and I'm constantly tweaking and optimizing my eating plans and structures so they fit me, they work for me. I love them. I, I love it. It works for me. Um, my eating's kind of in check. All that's working well. Um, but then I have a week like this week. It gets kicked off by Super Bowl mode, um, bags of donuts I didn't plan on having, and it just kind of snowballs. And so there, no matter what, you're always going to have times where you get way off track. Uh, so I'll bring it another way. I had a client yesterday and she goes, she goes, I'm having trouble getting into making my health non-negotiable. And I was like, I don't think your health is ever going to be non-negotiable. It's always negotiable. <laughs> every week, every day, we're negotiating what we're going to eat and what we're going to do. So I say this to you because we tend to think like we're going to get into this place where we never make a bad food decision again. We never have a disaster week again. You're always going to have disaster weeks forever. Now, the goal is to have less of them. Okay, but you're never going to have never a disaster week again. And if that that's if <laughs> I don't unless you if you do, let me know. You know what I mean? You get five years from now and you never have a disaster week. You shoot me a message and let me know. But um, 
I'll be, I'll be surprised, you know, cause I've never been able to do this. I'm never not having disaster weeks at some point. I don't have that many of them, but I still have them. And they catch me by surprise. It's a combination of factors. So um, let that rocket girl just, just take it in stride. The 5-2 model is not about never having a disaster week. It's 5-2. If you've been doing the 5-2 model since January 1st, now that you've had a disaster week, the goal of the 5-2 plan, the, one of the primary things, is that now you can get back on track easier on Monday. Because remember, if you've been doing this since January that's six weeks, let's say, that means five, six times you have practiced going from pleasure back onto clean. And so now that you had a disaster week, what's happened is for the last month and a half, you've been practicing getting back on track in little easy ways. Now you had a disaster week, but you still have been practicing getting back on track. So everything you've been working on is for this. It's not to prevent a disaster week necessarily. It's to create, it's just to have less of them. And then when you have a disaster week, you now have a better ability to get back on track. So I hope that makes sense because I had a disaster week too. Um, but I'm not nervous because I know next week I'll be, I want to get right back on track. And that's the main thing, by the way, with the 5-2 model is I want to get, I want to get back to my clean eating. I don't like the way I've been eating this week. It was pleasurable in the moment for a second. Now I'm sick. Um, I haven't felt good. I, I hate when I don't feel good. Uh, and so I have no desire to keep eating this way. It, it was okay for little moments and it was what it was, um, but I have no no in, intense desire to keep eating this way and punishing myself. I don't like it. <laughs> so ask yourself that question. Ah, um, uh, yeah, and Girl Scout cookies arrived. Yeah, okay, same here. But my, my kids got some Girl Scout cookies and you know, that's a funny thing too. And I'll give you an example. I don't know, it was last year, the last, somewhere in the last couple of years, some Girl Scout cookies arrived and I tried them. I was like, oh, these are gross. I thought these used to be good and whatever. And this year, they were different ones. It was the samosas. And I don't know, like I never really ate samosas, so I didn't really have to compare them to. And I ate those. Those are good as hell. <laughs> so I was eating those. Um, yeah, that kind of started for me. It was donuts. But yeah, so Rocket Girl, again, you, what, the, the point of what we're doing here, we're always going to disaster weeks. The point is to kind of look back and say, what happened there? All the Girl Scout cookies came. And I'm just making up stuff. But the Girl Scout cookies come. Oh, my God. Then there was the Super Bowl. I got kind of party mode. And then Valentine's Day came. And then I was off track. There's a reason why this week was a disaster. Understand it and then just get right back on track. You've been practicing for this. That's what we're practicing with the 5-2 model. The 5-2 is, is five clean days, two pleasure days. That's how we structure the eating in general. And I always say 5-2, but remember Rocket Girl, it's also 2-5, okay? And so I know the camera focus is, I can't get it to work right. <laughs> Sorry if you're on YouTube watching me. I, I can't help it. Um, so the other, the other flip side of that is 2-5. Two days of pleasure eating, five days of clean eating. And what matters most is going from clean or from pleasure to clean. So you've been practicing this. So you, this is what you've been practicing for. All right. Um, <laughs> I said Samoas. I said Samosas. That's the Indian fritter, right? Samoas, whatever. The, the Whatever's in them, chocolate and coconuts. Uh, do you like the Mediterranean diet? I like the Mediterranean diet if you're talking about how people eat food. I don't like the Mediterranean diet in terms of a diet because I don't like the diet philosophy. So yeah, I'm a big fan. I think Mediterranean diet is a great philosophy of how you can structure your foods and your eating and what you're going to eat. I think that's a solid, solid nutritional plan. What I don't like is that you're going to start Mediterranean diet Monday and you're going to make everything Mediterranean food. That's too overwhelming and you'll do it for a couple days and then you'll stop doing it. So again, I like Mediterranean diet, I, I can't believe I don't know the exact words to explain this, because what's the difference between like a, a diet between like when you're describing how someone's eat, someone eats and then a diet in terms of kind of the American diet of losing weight. 
So I think as a as a diet, as a way, a philosophy of eating, what you're deciding what you're going to eat, I think makes a lot of sense. But again, I wouldn't approach it with a diet mindset where you try and change everything all at once, where you go from a standard American diet all the way to a Mediterranean diet one day. I, I know you're impatient and all the rest of it, but again, the, the chances of success with such rapid, drastic change is, is really low. So that's my answer to that one. Um, oh, my voice. So funny. I, I, yeah, see, I, for those of you who've been listening, you know, I ate these donuts. I ate other stuff too, by the way. I'll make it clear. I didn't just eat a bag of donuts. I want that to be known. Um, I still remember Sunday. I'm wild. Uh, so I, uh, you know, I am. Um, oh, thanks, Mary. Mary said good advice. Thank you. Um, oh, North Star says I really like the painting behind you. Yeah, me too. I, I, uh, yeah, I like that painting behind me a lot. Reminds me of, reminds me of Vegas and, uh, what is it? The Mirage? No, not the Mirage. Oh, Bellagio. Bellagio's lobby, right? They got like this, all these stained glass, colorful stained glass things. Reminds me of that. So I always like that. Um, what was I going to say? I don't even remember. Yeah, Con there you go, Connie. Yeah, diet is a noun versus a verb. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know, it was just, it's so funny you said that because I was just talking about that yesterday on a coaching call. I was talking about nominalizations which is the opposite when we take a verb and turn it into a noun. But um, yeah, exactly. So I, li I like, um, I think Mediterranean food, I, I think Mediterranean diets probably, like if you're looking for like a, like a, a philosophy of how to decide what you're going to eat, because there's a lot of that right now, I will tell you. Uh, it's a crazy world, you know, I know, how do you, What's the philosophy of how you choose the right foods? And what a crazy time to have to decide that. Uh, I feel very fortunate. You know, 30 years ago, I really started on the yoga path and it was really basic, basic nutrition guidance in a sense of, it was natural foods. You know what I mean? Like it was just simple. And there wasn't a whole, like it wasn't all the podcasts and YouTube videos and, and influencers and all this shit. And so it was just kind of clear. And so that's kind of the path I went down. And I look now, and I'm like, if I didn't have a solid foundation, because now I've been doing it for 30 years, so I'm, I'm a pescatarian, pretty much just a vegetarian. I eat you know, clams and fish, fish once every other week or something, but I'm primarily vegetarian, uh, and that served me well. So it's like, I don't need, I don't give a shit what anyone says. I know for a fact that that diet works well for me. So I have a sense of certainty that I know a lot of people, if you're struggling with your nutrition, you're trying to figure it out, oh my God, right? That's one of the big challenges. And I think that some of that's intentional, but... You know, when I hear, I was listening to a doctor. He's got 400,000. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you their names too, because I think they're goofballs. Um, one Saladino, and um, he's the carnivore guy. And another, he had a guest on, and this guy had like 500,000 YouTube followers. And he's a doctor, a medical doctor. And he's talking about how the reason he's a carnivore is he's in school, doctor school. And uh, he took a class where they're talking about how plants have chemicals in them, defense chemicals. And so from that, he decided to stop eating plants. So it's like, you know, you, you're, I, I always say this about information age. We thought we would get like the, the right information, like one, hey, this is what's right. But it turns out there's a million informations and you can just, you can get very lost, right? Because everyone, a doctor, a doctor telling you what you should eat. Well, right. They must know a lot. They don't. Doctors don't study nutrition necessarily. I don't know what the numbers are now, but, the, but I mean, it's, it's woefully inadequate, the nutrition they study. So yeah, I love doctors for, for certain things, um, but doctors don't know how to help you lose weight. You know this, you've been to see your doctor. What do they tell you? Lose weight, 
go on a diet. They don't know shit. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would say like I lost 50 pounds and I've kept it off for 30 years, but I had a blip 12 years ago um, where I put 25 pounds on and I went back and I dropped the weight and the doctor goes, oh my God, how'd you do it? Just shocked, right? Was, they have no idea. What'd you do? What'd you do? You know, they have no clue. So again, this isn't to say I, I, a doc, doctors need to be seen that because they get a catch-all halo effect that they know everything. They don't. They don't know about weight loss. Not really. And so, yeah, it's a scary time because who are you supposed to listen to? Why, why wouldn't we listen to a doctor when it comes to the weight loss and health and nutrition? So it's crazy times, you know, and I, and I am very sympathetic to that to people. But um, I love hearing so intentionally vocabulary. I'm that way too, and it's so important. Oh, absolutely, Connie, yeah. As a hypnotist, you know, the, the language very very passionate about language because it, it's so important even to the point I, I always joke around this like if anyone you know they would say oh that's just semantics I, anyone who says that i was like you got my permission to slap them because semantics are so important you know specific the specificity of the words you're saying uh, are, are hugely important in your communication and mostly in terms of the communication that you use on yourself you know um mary says have you done intermittent fasting uh Intermittent fasting is another one, you know? So again, intermittent fasting and keto are the two most popular diets right now. So there you go. I mean, talk about misguided and, and goofy. Now I'm not against intermittent fasting. I do a form of intermittent fasting and I say that specifically because I tend to find that the, the, the actual intermittent fasting police, it's gotta be 16 hours minimum, you know? And if you don't get to 16 hours, you're missing all the magical effects of intermittent, fa intermittent fasting, but it's bullshit. You know, like, because again, it's just a strategy to reduce calories. And I'm not saying there's not medical benefits to it. There absolutely are. But I think the big challenge, again, this is one of those things, again, that I think it's a great philosophy, but I think where people are misguided is they jump right in from eating 16 hours a day to only eating eight hours a day. And what happens is it's extremely overwhelming. And now I have a biased look on it because I'm always getting people that intermittent fasting has not worked for. Uh, but what I find a lot of times is people that are trying to intermittent fast end up binging during the eight hours. And so it becomes a binge trainer program for a lot of people. Now, if intermittent fasting works beautifully for you, then ignore what I'm saying. Because the golden rule of program yourself then is there's no right or wrong. There's only what works for you. So I believe that. And I use a form of fasting that I, I came up with a long time ago. It was way before intermittent fasting. But I wanted to create a bigger window between when I went to bed and when I stopped eating. And so I stopped eating earlier and earlier. And so now I typically stop eating 6, 7 o'clock at night, start eating the next morning, 7 or 8 o'clock. So I'm around 13 hours. I call it nighttime fasting just so I don't get intermittent fasting people up my behind about the specific language. But uh, I find a lot of people struggling with intermittent fasting. But I also find a lot of people that would, they defend it to the death as the greatest thing in the world and yet they're struggling with it. And I find a lot of that with the diet, diet world. Um, keto just like loving keto. Oh, keto is the greatest thing on the planet. Well, then why aren't you doing it? <laughs> oh no well I can't do it but it's, it's really it's the hell it's the best thing to do if you want to lose weight and you get a lot of this weird shit well if you can't do it it's not the best thing period right I don't want to go to some technical f and that's what the diet industry is basically it's some technical explanation oh, eat exactly this way this would be the fastest weight loss you could achieve well yeah but is it reasonable I mean, I think Huberman's probably the best example okay you're a brilliant guy no doubt about it but it's like it's so okay who the fuck's gonna live like that Okay, you know what I mean? So if it's not practical, no one's going to do it. I, I don't know what we're doing here. And that's where I think I, I draw a big line in the sand between most of the weight loss industry and me is that most weight loss industry is telling you what to do. 
here you do this. Don't eat carbs. Eat 200 calories. Don't eat for 16 hours. Whatever the thing is, one tactic, whatever the one tactic is, you're do this. And then you're left alone to get yourself to do it. And you're never taught or you never learn how to get yourself to do things. And that's what I've spent the last 20 years of my life professionally doing is I help real people actually create the changes they want to do. And so part of that has to be, again, we could have some perfect plan in a lab, but in the real world, does it, does it transfer over to the real world? And I find a lot of diets do not, which is why people struggle with diets. Keto, I mean, keto is, is one of the most popular diets. Huh. I mean, Christ. I mean, are we nuts here? Are we nuts? Are we carbs? You know, again, I mean, and refined carbs obviously is one story, but they just glob in the word carbs so that you get people that don't want to eat fruits and vegetables. And as soon as you're avoiding fruits and vegetables, I think you really got to take a step back and think about what you're, what you're doing. Now, again, I get it. People get so desperate that I'm thinking clearly. And I'm not arguing that you won't lose weight keto-wise for the beginning part. What I'm saying is, how do you feel a month into it, six months into it, a year into it? And you probably don't even know because you probably never stuck with it for a year. So, but how many times did you tried it? So it's just the same philosophy with all these diets. You hate doing them. And so why do it? So again, intermittent fasting, what I'm saying ultimately is I think there's a lot of benefit. I think we overeat, we eat too much. I saw one of the greatest phrases I've ever seen in my life. Never saw this. It's from this wonderful book, wonderful book, The Dorito Effect. This is one of the best. This book to me was a real, a real paradigm shifter. I really enjoyed this book a lot. And um, the phrase is calorie toxicity. And so, yeah, I think we live in a society where we're consuming way too many calories. Uh, so, yeah, if you cut your calorie, if you cut your eating time down by 16 hours, it's a strategy to reduce calories, but it's a pretty drastic strategy for most people. So if it's not for you, then great. But if it is for, if you're struggling with it, that's not what you have. You don't have to do that to lose weight. That's what I'm trying to say. What's up, Erica? Down six and a half pounds at today's first monthly weigh-in. Slow and steady feels great. That's awesome, Erica. Congratulations. That's wonderful. And I love, I love the folks on the slow and steady. It's going to make everything else a lot easier for you. Wonderful job. Um, <laughs> Dr. Ted now calls them diet religions. That's, that's perfect, right? That's the perfect explanation. Oh, what's up, Vicky? There she is. The beauty of IF is that it can be done whatever you want it to be. Yeah, exactly. And I think as long as you're doing that, and I agree with that, because I do think, I think our eating windows are too 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 long, too big. I definitely think that. I think we've been conditioned in this society to overeat and to eat all the time and to snack and to graze and all this stuff. So I do think that having some bright lines around when you're going to eat and not, I think is brilliant. I think that the smart way to do it though is to work up. I'm working with someone in my program right now. It's the same thing. She would, she would literally eat. I, I did the same thing. I'd eat right up until bed. And so instead of just going straight into a 16 hour window, we just, we, she she would go to bed here and eat right here. We we cut that down. She go to bed around I don't know. Let's say midnight. Let's just say um, the first thing we did. So let's make it ten o'clock at night that you stop eating, right? And then she said that was kind of easy, so I pushed it to nine. Great. Well, again, we want to take things slow and steady. So again, I have no problem certainly with the the science of intermittent fasting. I believe in all that. What I don't like is the diet mentality put on top of it. That this is what you got to do because again, what I see from that mentality, and again, I have a biased mindset because I'm getting people that does not work for. But what I see is I see people that are, and for a long time have done this, they try and skip breakfast. And by the time they get to lunch, they're so hungry that once they start eating, they can't control their eating. And, or they're trying, they're not eating during breakfast and they're feeling lightheaded and woozy and don't feel good. And they're not letting themselves eat. So again, I do think that ultimately you've got to check in with where you're at. How do you feel? And I think that one, I should really get clear on this exactly what I mean. 
But when I talk about like the diet mindset, um, that's more when, so when people bring up intermittent fasting, I'm really almost speaking more of the diet aspect of it where you're just following this rule again. You're not paying attention because I've had this. I literally, I've had over and over again, I'm getting people that, I, that it's not working for them because oh, I'm intermittent fasting. I'm not losing weight. I don't understand why. And they don't understand why. And one of the big reasons why is because intermittent fasting, the big thing you got to watch out for that is a thing called the licensing effect. And the licensing effect is when we do something good, moral, and virtuous and follow it up by doing something not good, moral, and virtuous. There's a lot of reasons why this happens. But so it happens, oh my God, I didn't eat for 16 hours. And now they are thinking like, now I can eat. And in their mind, the math they're doing is not working out. And so in the eight hours, a lot of times they're eating as much as they did eat in the 16 hours. So... You know, it's not a fix-all. It's just a strategy to, to reduce your, your eating window, to reduce less calories. There's a million ways to eat less calories, is what I'm trying to say. Intermittent fasting is one of them. But we love it because it's so clear-cut. Again, you have to understand that the diets are built around the one-tactic philosophy, which is they know you're overwhelmed, stressed out, frustrated, discouraged about weight loss. So their strategy has to be really simple to understand conceptually. And that's where we get keto. Just stop eating carbs. Intermittent fasting. Just stop eating for 16 hours. Weight Watchers, just count your points. <laughs> and then on and on. Every diet is one thing, right? I can promise you that the results you're looking for are never going to be accomplished from doing just one thing. You need a comprehensive, holistic approach to really master your weight and to get the real results you're looking for. And it's got to be more than just an eating plan. Um, Connie says, my experience with intermittent fasting was just a new version of binge cycling. Yeah, speed eating for eight hours, no way. Yeah, and again, it doesn't have to be that, but that's what it ends up being for a lot of people because a lot of people are going into it with a dieter mindset. And so now all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to do this. And it's just they jump right into it and they create all this stress and tension on themselves and that makes it harder to eat that way. So again, I, I don't have a problem with the, the philosophy of it that way. It's when we wrap over the diet mindset over it. I, I have a more issue with that because I do it. I mean, I think taking a big break from eating was one of the greatest things I ever did in my life. So I'm kind of speaking on both sides of my mouth, but I want to make clear the distinction I'm making. So I think, you know, creating a time of day where, again, getting to 8, 10, 12, 14 hours where you're not eating, it feels amazing. It was the, one of the greatest things I ever did. Okay. But I think it's the way you make it happen. And it wasn't just that. I wasn't just intermittent fasting. I was doing yoga. I was meditating. I was starting drinking more water. I started focusing on my sleep better. I was nourishing myself better. So there was a lot more going on with that. And um, what happened is it kind of spontaneously happened for me. So um, losing weight gain, losing weight gain after three weeks of beginning on a plateau. Thank you for your help. Oh, great job, Daniel. Yeah. And, and again, the plateaus, I'm hearing a lot of people hitting plateaus right now. And I will tell you why those plateaus are happening, if you want to know. Uh, you had January, and January really focused. You're motivated. You're super focused. More focused than any other month of the year, right? And then February comes, and you start, you start flagging a little bit, start, start slowing down a little. And what happens is you started eating more. And uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> or your body, you just need to adjust too. You never know. Um, but there's a lot of people. And again, this is the beauty. I love this part. I always say, what I'm always working on is weight mastery. Um, and I see someone, my, my name My name is Jim Katsoulis. Um, weight mastery. And weight mastery is about long-term for the rest of your life, mastering your weight once and for all. And what ends up happening is the benefits of weight mastery really start showing up after you're doing it for a month, three months, six months, a year. The longer you do this, the more the benefits show up. 
And so it, it's great to hear that that the plateau um, you kind of kicked it off again. Great job. And and anytime any some of the big milestones I always look for for clients that are just so big. Um, one of the big ones is when they have a, a mess up, right? Someone someone said earlier that is a disaster week. Okay, when you have a disaster week and you get back on track, that that's so important to me. Um, and then the other one is when you have a plateau and you ride it out and you get back on track with it. Those are two of the most important things that you can focus on because they're going to happen. And those are usually the things that most dieters can't handle. So when you handle getting right back on track from a you know binge week, binge episode, um, when you deal with a plateau that was extended and you, you start dropping the weight again, really celebrate those. Those are huge, huge deals. And the more you start to realize that's what weight mastery is all about. Weight loss is about starting on day one and seeing how long we can keep up doing great to lose weight. Weight mastery is about how many fuck-ups we can deal with and get back on track, really. Um, and so the more you can deal with that, that's what mastery is all about. Again, I can have a hor- I can have, it wasn't a horrible week. Like, it kind of was. It wasn't horrible, but it was, my, my eating this week was not great. Um, but I, there's, no, there's no part of me that's like, oh, no. Oh, oh shit. Did I, did I lose control here? Like, I'm very aware of what's going on, and I know how I can get back on track. And just sometimes we just get off track. That's the other piece. You know, I always want to remind you of all that. Um, what's the meaning of a plateau? Plateau is when you're losing weight. You know, you start eating better, let's just say in generalized terms. You start eating better and you're losing weight and then all of a sudden it feel, you, you, the weight loss stops for a little bit. Now again, plateaus are experienced differently for different people. If you're a diet or a plateau, you experience time distortion with this. Remember that, okay? That, uh, you know, it could be a week where the weight's not moving and it feels like a year. So again, dieters experience time distortion a very unhelpful way um what's up joy how's it going but that's great daniel and it says why can't why why we can't lose the weight even though we really want to and have the desire um that's a great question hannah i i wouldn't i would reframe that question it's an inaccurate question for most people um why can't we lose the weight even though we really want to and have the desire this is one of my favorite questions I love this question because it gets right to the heart of the problem for 99% of people. And it's the fact that you don't really want to. You really don't. You got a strong wish to lose weight. You wish, wish, wish that you'd wake up tomorrow and start doing stuff that make you lose weight. But the want's not really an accurate word. The desire is not really an accurate word. And I'll prove it to you this way, Hannah. If the person in your life that was the most important person in your life was kidnapped and the kidnapper said, if you don't lose weight this month, you'll never see this person again. Do you think you'd be able to lose weight or do you think that person should be nervous? For most people, they're going to lose the weight. And I, and I know this is an extreme example. I get that. But it's the point that we, we often conflate and confuse and we mix up words. When we say, I can't lose weight, that's not accurate. It's not accurate. Let me put you in a, in a room and control your calories for two weeks. Let's see. Let's see if you can or can't. I'll bet you can. Bet you can lose weight. I don't want to lose weight. It's literally, right? Now, don't take this personally, right? I'm here. I, I, I'm helping you out. I, I care for you, okay? But it's like we got to be very specific with our words. You want to lose weight, but do you want to lose weight as much as you want to keep eating and living the way you're living? Which one do you want more? And if you don't get clear on that, you, you send yourself into bizarro world where you can't figure anything out and you start saying things like, no matter what I do, I can't lose weight. I want to lose weight more than anything in the world and I can't do it. I find that almost, I've never seen that to be true, by the way. I hold out 
some idea that maybe there's some outlier that no matter what, no matter how much they drastically cut their calories, they won't lose weight. But you can very clearly look into famine situations in history and you will never see an overweight person in them. So again, I know I'm talking very drastic terms, but I'm, I'm talking that way because I want to break that fucking belief. If you get this belief in the back of your head, no matter what I do, I'm not going to lose weight. What, what You're never going to lose weight, you know? So again, so much, this is why with, with the program yourself, then we got the weight mastery blueprint we follow. Mindset, the weight mastery pyramid. Mindset, lifestyle, eating. Mindset's the first thing we focus on. The very first part of mindset is motivation because I find most people, they don't even know how to motivate themselves. You know, you thinking you want to lose weight versus how much you actually want to lose it and how actually important and committed you are to it are two totally different things is what I've seen. And every time I see someone get congruent and really focused and really want to, they end up losing weight. So I don't know what to tell you, you know? And I, I work with people with thyroid issues. Most of my clientele my entire career has been women in some phase of menopause. So menopause, hormones, thyroid, PCOS, Hashimoto's, insulin resistance, all of it, all of it. And I've seen them all lose weight. So... I'm very skeptical of the can't lose weight thing. Uh, yeah, ketoacidosis is so dangerous. It's it's weird. It's weird. I don't know. The keto thing, again, is just the height of diet mindset to me. To me. Keto is the height of diet mindset goofiness. Because what are, you, what are you doing? What are you referencing? And this is what drives me crazy. You know, what are you referencing to think, like, what, what society on earth has lived in ketosis? You know, other than an Eskimo, Eskimo populations a couple months a year, maybe because they're just eating whale blubber the whole time. What what, what populations? Because, you know, keto is a diet made for epileptics. It, it's not a real diet that, that a real group of people have lived on. I mean, people around the world, our entire history have been eating carbs. It, it's it's just strange to me. I, I, you know, what am I going to do? <laughs> Lorena says, hi, I eat all day, healthy today, and I feel really, really good. Yeah, Lorena. And by the way, that that's the beauty of when you eat like shit, when you have a disaster week, it's a gift. It's a, it's a present wrapped with a bow on top of it because then when you get back on your clean eating, everything's relative. And so when you eat like shit, the beauty of it is when you start eating clean, you can appreciate all the benefits you get out of eating clean that aren't weight related. You need to shorten your time frame. You can't make weight the main goal you're looking at day in and day out because the weight just is on a different time frame than how your mind runs. And so we need to look at things that are instant gratification of making good food choices. And what those are usually are the mental, emotional, and physical. There's, there's obvious benefits of that too. But as you start paying attention to the instant consequences you get from making good food choices, you get addicted to it. You can get just as addicted to making good food choices as you are addicted to making shitty food choices. It just depends where your focus is at. And you've been conditioned, and there's three phases of eating, anticipation, consumption, consequence. You have been conditioned by the food industry to only focus on the anticipation and consumption. Every ad you see is the food coming towards you, someone unwrapping the food, and then taking the first few bites of it. You never see the person finishing it, empty wrapper, empty plate, sitting on the sofa. You never see that. So it's up to you. You have to start focusing yourself on the consequence, not the consequence of weight gain, the consequence of how you feel five minutes after you finish eating. And if you want to lose weight, you tell me how you feel mentally and emotionally after you eat the ice cream, the cookies, the bullshit. You feel discouraged, feel frustrated, feel less than, you feel, you feel like shit. And as you start to pay attention and realize that, it changes everything. Because now you're not relying on willpower you're realizing, I don't like how I feel when I eat that way. So great job, Lorena. Nice job getting back on plan. 
Deanna, if I don't plan my meals, I will fail. Yeah, absolutely. I always say program yourself then. There's no right or wrong. There's only what works for you. The one exception I see is you have got to structure your eating. I don't know. You, I, I just, I get more and more believe this. I don't think, you, you, there's no way in the world you're going to be able to change your eating if you don't structure it in this environment is what I think. So I think you're absolutely right, Deanna. I have to plan my meals um, and uh, it's very important. Now, how you plan them, that, that's again, that's a whole other thing because I don't want to get into, I'm not a meal planner, okay? I use structure, structured eating very specifically and independently of meal planning, okay? Meal planning makes me want to run for the hills. I hate meal planning, um, but I've got structured eating. And so I know if you don't, you're not in the program, you, you, it sounds like the same thing. They're not, but I'm just going to leave it at that for now. Um, you know, says it's crazy how I still eat junk food knowing how bad it is for me. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great point too. You don't know how bad it is for you. I would bet. I would, I would watch some documentaries on what that food's actually doing to you. I think having a vague gist idea of what the food does to you is different than having a very literal, explicit understanding of what that food's doing to you. That was part of this book was really, I will tell you, and I'm going to do some, I got to do, oh, I got lessons at the wazoo, but, um, cause I got the ultra processed people. I have some lessons I want to do on that. I think I'll make some YouTube videos on it is what I'm thinking. Um, and then I haven't been feeling great this week, so I kind of been hanging back a little. But anyways, one of the key things about this, the Dorito effect, basically the idea is that the food we're eating is trash. And the only reason we're even able to get it down our gullets is because it's flavored to taste like food. But it's fucking trash. And so we're putting this stuff in our body. But one of the main points he's doing this, and I don't know if he's intending to do it or if it just happened, but it's very interesting because he, he references the agricultural industry, the livestock industry specifically. And um, the whole point of livestock is to get them from birth to, to butcher as quick as possible. And so they're trying to fatten these animals up in the cheapest way possible. And what they use is a thing called palatants. And palatants are basically flavorings they can put on the hay or whatever stuff they're trying to feed these animals to fatten them up that will make them overeat. And what I'm realizing, and I, that's the parallel, that basically the the livestock industry and how they have scientifically figured out how to get all these different animals to get fat really fast so they can butcher them. They're using the exact, exact same philosophy and strategies to fatten us all up. And so you're sitting here addicted to foods that are, there's no micronutrients in it. The nutritional value is very low, um, but we're addicted to it because it tastes good. And so, yeah, it's, there's a lot going on there, but I get what you're saying, Deanna, but I would keep researching because I would say there's more to know. Um, the name of the book is The Dorito Effect. Uh, I'm working on incorporating different low impact workouts throughout the week. Kelly, that's wonderful. And I, I was just thinking about you today because I was driving around. I saw um, someone had left like a treadmill outside or something. I was thinking about you. Uh, I think that's wonderful. You know, and that's what you want to do. You want to incorporate different low impact workouts. You have a couple different options for you. Because if you just have one, there's a chance you'll get bored of it. So if you have a couple of them, I think you're, you're going to set yourself up for much longer term success. Um, nothing but grateful that 35 years of losing and gaining has led me to you and the concept of weight mastery. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love that reframe, Connie. I think that's wonderful. Um Working on sleep, self-care, mentality, and movement helps not look at just the scale. Yeah, exactly, Kelly. Right. You should measure yourself on more things. That's exactly right. So I, I think that's that's a great point. Um, it's a good example. That person is you. Thank you. Um, you're stealing health from future you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that person is you, right? Exactly. That's a great way to think about it. How come I can see other people's comments? Uh, how come you can see other people's comments? I don't know. 
they're usually listed there. It depends. Oh, because you know, if you're not seeing what some of the comments I'm reading is, uh, I'm I'm on this on TikTok, but I'm also live streaming this to Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, and so sometimes I get comments from over there. Um, it says lifting weights and eating only protein is the best way to lose weight. Uh no, 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 no. Now, if you're if you're a young man, you know, in, in your 20s, you know, I'm sure that'll work for you. Okay. Um, but for most of us, lifting weights and eating protein is a short-term solution, if that. And uh, that speaks to a bigger issue that I don't think, you know, I, again, I'm not saying the best way is what I'm, I'm saying no to, by the way, because the best way is unique to each person. You understand that? And, and I know you don't want to hear that because, again, you, you, you know, listen, dieters, you all done your part too to get this. You're, you're being fucking lazy because <laughs> you just want someone to tell you one thing. Oh, just got to stop eating carbs. Oh, okay, got my plan. Oh, I just got to count my points now. Stop it. You know, you've got to approach your weight loss and your weight mastery ultimately as if you would approach college. It's that level of of, of commitment, time-wise and energy-wise, to some degree. Tough shit. <laughs> Don't what you want. It's the most important thing in your life. It's worth it, okay? But you've been conditioned by the diet industry to really, like, not invest that much energy and time into, like, doing the hard part, which is learning what works for you. You know, like it seems easy, like, oh, okay, carbs, just I'll cut the carbs out. That sounds so easy, but the flip side is you completely change how you're eating. But if you took all the energy you've put into diets and you had just committed to mastering what works for you, and again, we break it down to the weight mastery pyramid, mindset, lifestyle, eating, and you create those things for you, specifically the eating plan, how are you going to take someone's, I, that's what I find so crazy about the keto thing. Well, just keto for everybody? <laughs> keto for 8 billion people no one no big group of people's ever lived that way in history but now 8 billion people on the planet are supposed to eat like keto it, it it makes absolutely no sense but again people get so desperate but but what you have to do is you have to figure what works for me so for you maybe lifting weights maybe you love lifting weights maybe you love protein i think it's a dangerous thing just eating protein and really cutting the carbs out i think it's, it's a short-sighted thing is what i feel but that's up to everyone you know, there's guys you would look at and I get these guys all the time. Like, hey, bro, bro, you're not even in shape. You know, so but there's a lot of dudes that think I'm skinny fat. You know, they, they don't think I'm in shape. They don't think I'm, they're not what I want. They, they, what they want, you know, because I'm not jacked. I'm not, I'm not like cut. I'm not single digit body fat. And for a lot of people, that's not in shape. So again, they wouldn't be listening to me. I'm not talking to them. We got different goals. So again, everything depends on what you're looking to accomplish. What I want to do is I want to master my weight. I want to weigh what I want to weigh and I want to do it in a way where it's relatively simple. And so that way for me is exercising wise, I do very mild, easy exercising. I could probably stand to do some more resistance training. You know, that's something I'm on my radar, um, but I'm built for the long-term weight success. That was my main goal. My dad died at 54 of a heart attack. So I said, the most important thing for me, I got to get my weight where I want it to be. That's the most important thing. Um, and then again, from that, a lot of lifestyle and health things started happening. But in terms of the traditional, like I don't, I don't go to the gym. I haven't worked out consistently for 30 years. I don't like lifting weights. You know, I'm starting to have a different motivation now because I feel myself getting a little weaker as I get a little older. So I want to start doing it for that. But um, I don't like lifting weights. I don't like doing cardio. I don't like just doing exercise for exercise sake. I like doing. I like being active. I like doing moving around a lot. But I say this to you only as an example that you need to figure out what works for you. And yeah, that's a, that does make it a little bit harder. Sorry. You know what I mean? Like it just does. But at the end of the day, that's what you've got to figure out what works for you. And once you figured it out, though, 
Now you've got something that's custom built for you. And now your chances of sticking with it go way up. And that's the point I'm trying to make. So yeah, is you know, lifting weights and eating only protein the best way? I'm not going to say it is or it isn't. I'm just going to say, is, is it for you? Is that what you want to do? And if that's what you want to do, knock yourselves out. Okay. Um, but for me, that would be the worst way. I'd never want to do it. So I wouldn't go down that path. And you don't need to exercise to lose weight anyways. <laughs> Lorena says, feel so proud for myself. Yeah, great, Lorena. That's what I mean. And I'll make a healthy dinner too. So Lorena had a couple of days where she ate like shit. And now she's back on track eating clean. And now she's super proud of herself. She feels super, she realizes how much better she feels. She's proud of herself for getting back on track. And that's what we're talking about. That's weight mastery. You've got to anticipate. And again, as a dieter, you never do this. Dieting, you always think it's going to be day one to your goal weight, straight line of success. It's fucking not going to be. It's not. There's too much time. You're going to make mistakes. All right. It's just that simple. And it's fine. It's not a problem to make mistakes. That's what I try to tell you. The most important skill of weight mastery is the ability to get back on track quickly. That's it. It's not to be perfect. Do you understand that distinction? Dieting, the most important quality is to be perfect. Weight mastery, the most important ability is to get back on track quickly because on a long enough time scale, you're not going to be perfect. Yeah, you can be perfect for a couple days or a couple weeks maybe. Maybe, maybe once in a while, a couple months, but that's about it. And so if you think, if you associate in your mind that for me to lose weight and live it that way, I got to be perfect all the time, it, it's overwhelming. It feels impossible. You know, it's not impossible. It's the way you're thinking about it that makes it feel impossible. I'm sitting in front of you at my weight. I stay, I've been at the same weight for 30 years, one blip 12 years ago. And I make mistakes all the time. It's not the mistakes you're making. It's what happens after them. And as soon as you make a mistake, you're blown off course for weeks, months, or years. I make a mistake and I'm blown off course for a day or a couple days. That's all the difference in the world. So great job, Lorena. Lady Luck, you're great in case you don't know. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate you saying that. Azra, how's it going? Hey, Jim, how do you stop yourself from eating something bad if under stress? Oof. Yeah, that's hard. Now, I will tell you that. And I, I had this question yesterday and I loved answering it because this, again, speaks to a fundamental difference in what we're talking about here, that you're going to be under stress and make bad food choices for the rest of your life. So so how do you get under intense stress and then not choose the wrong thing? Um, I can talk about that, but you're always going to do it sometimes too. <laughs> okay. So what I'm trying to say is this that it has less to do with always being able to make the right decision and it has more to do with setting yourself up for success the majority of the time. So for the rest of your life, there are gonna be times when you get stressed out, pissed off, depressed, sad, lonely, some peak emotional negative state and you're gonna go and eat a bunch of shit. That's gonna happen for the rest of your life. Okay? And you need to internalize that because you gotta stop, stop telling yourself the bullshit story fairy tale that someday I'm gonna get to my goal and I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna binge again. I'm never gonna overeat again. I'm never gonna stress eat again. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I say this to you not to discourage you, but to give you a more accurate representation of what's going on. It'd be like if I said, oh my God, you're going to college now, you're so smart. You're gonna go to college now and you're never gonna have a bad grade again. You're never gonna struggle with a class again. You got into college, great job. Right? But it's silly when I say that, but that's what you're subconsciously imagining with this diet. You're 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 imagining fairy tales that aren't true. And a lot of this is intentional, methinks, but um you're you're thinking that way. And then as soon as, as, soon as you hit a, a struggle or a patch, it feels like, oh my God, I, I thought I was doing so good. I have one I don't, she's not on here, I don't think, but I have a client right now. She just joined the program. She's down two hundred pounds. She started at five hundred pounds and three hundred pounds right now, and we're, we're working from there. And she's like, I, I kind of made a bad food the other day. And she goes, I started thinking like, what am I doing? I'm not even committed here, right? It's like she's been doing this three years. 
She's been doing, dropping the 200 pounds. And even still in her head, she's got this mindset of like, oh, I don't care. You know, our mind is a funny thing. That's why we program yourself. Then we really learn how to deal with our mindset. Okay. Um, so, so how do you stop eating from yourself, eating something bad under stress? I'm less worried about trying to stop myself from eating something bad under stress. And I'm more interested in eating that thing under stress and then zooming out and wondering what's causing the stress. What's the pattern of this? We, in Program Yourself, then we call this the 80-20 philosophy. That really what we're looking to do is we're looking to focus on the 80% of our eating that is consistent and habitual, not the 20% that's more random. And so if you're under stress, the first thing I want to know is that what's, what, what's the pattern going on here? If it's like... Um, uh, you know, you almost got in a car accident on the way home and that just triggered this real stress response and you went and ate. I wouldn't give a shit because that's a rare thing. If it's that you got home from work and you're stressed out and tired from work and you overate and you do that every night, five nights a week, that's what I want to focus on. Do you see what I mean? So again, I, I'm not, I don't know the context of like eating something bad under stress. I want to know about the stress part. Is it something that's habitual and consistent, you know, regularly? Or is this just like a one, one time thing? Because, uh, that's such an important thing. We don't want to waste our time with just random one-time things. Like the Super Bowl, like this past week, um, it was a combination. My kid got a giant bag of donuts and it was a Super Bowl. That's a bad combination for me, I learned. And so, you know, I'm already in Super Bowl mode and now there's a bag of the donuts there. Now, I'm not worried about it because it took those two things to happen at once for me to do it. I'm not expecting another Super Bowl in the next year and uh, I'm in over a bag of donuts. So I'm, I'm fine with it. So I'm not going to waste any time worrying about that. But you see, it's, it's a higher level thinking we don't want to just get caught up. Oh, how do I stop myself from eating every time I get stressed? No, because you need to understand the stress more. I hope this makes sense. Um, Connie says the emphasis on sleep has also been transformative. Was sleep deprived my entire life? Yeah, most people are sleep deprived their entire lives. Most people are dehydrated to some degree uh, and they're stressed out. And so those are the big three, right? So I talk about the lifestyle habits we, we teach and program yourself then in order of importance, sleeping, hydration, relaxation, breathing, nourishment, movement, meditation, gratitude. And so sleeping, hydration, relaxation. These are most people in America anyways are really bad with these three. And with those three things not under control, good luck. Good luck is all I can say. I don't know how you'll ever get any sustained results if you're not sleeping well, um, more relaxed and, and hydrated. Um, Kelly says, my body is tired of feeling bloated or bad after eating unhealthy. Yeah, Kelly, that's a, that's a wonderful, again, you, you got to stop. Oh, I shouldn't eat this because I don't want to gain weight. That That's not going to work for you because our brain discounts the future. So it's like, oh, should I have that ice cream? No, don't do it. You're going to gain weight. And then the other voice comes in. No, no. Because you know what? We'll start our plan tomorrow and it won't even matter. So, so we can trick ourselves. We got to notice the consequences five minutes, maybe not even, maybe a minute or two after we take that last bite. That's the consequence you want to start focusing on. And um, you get right to what Kelly's saying. I don't like the feeling of being bloated. That's what I did. Like, so I don't like to eat ice cream that much because I know like after I finished ice cream, usually I feel kind of phlegmy. I feel kind of bloated. I feel like blah. I, I don't really like that I did it. I get this coating in my mouth. Um, I just feel kind of down a little bit energetically, emotionally, mentally, a little foggier and whatever. So, so that's how I think of ice cream. So as you can imagine, it's not that addicting to me anymore. Okay. Now it always did that to me. That's the fascinating part. That's the most fascinating part of the food thing is that I was always having those consequences. And I was so amazed at how we can completely wipe things from our awareness. And I can almost guarantee you, if you haven't done any of this work, that you're eating this stuff and you're not even realizing how shitty it's making you feel. So you can't, you're not connecting the two together. And um, once you do, it makes everything else a lot easier. Uh, 
Todd multiplied gym. Does heart rate increase with days for the same type of workout? Wait, does heart rate increase with days for the same type of workout? If you're asking, like, does heart rate increase the same weight every day for the same type of workout? I don't really know. To be honest, I'm like, I'm not an exercise guy, so I really, I can't speak to exercising and heart rates. I, I really don't know a whole lot about that. Um, <laughs> that is done. We made it to the pleasure day. Uh, I'll be honest, my whole week's been kind of a pleasure day. <laughs> so, which is funny too. Like, it's, um, it's just funny because everything's relative. And I, I did this, I remember like during the holiday, I, I had a week where I was eating like shit. And then I had my, my pleasure meal on Saturday, which was my favorite meals. But I remember eating it that week and I was like, yeah, this isn't even that good. And uh, so everything's relative. You know, when we talk about clean and pleasure eating days, they they're, they influence each other. And so, uh, yeah, this week here, I've kind of, I've been eating more pleasurably all week. More, more. Again, it hasn't been wild, like, like even the holiday week there, but a little bit more. Um, I'm pre-diabetic. Do you think keto is okay for that? Um, I mean, I just don't think keto is okay for anything. <laughs> I think it's a goofy, why would you do keto? You know, it's because you're impatient, you know, you just want fast weight loss, you know, but why, I mean, I don't know. Cause my question is, unless you're one of those people that's never tried keto before, you know, have you never tried keto? One of the, one of the few that's never tried it that wants to lose weight. And cause, cause the reason I'm asking is if you've tried keto multiple times before and it didn't work for you, what's different now? You know, so I'm sure, um, being pre-diabetic and keto, I don't know what that would have to do with it. You know, a lot of keto people will say it's going to improve all your your numbers like that, um, and it will most likely. Because again, if you if you reduce the the you know if you're pre-diabetic, right? And this, I hate the fact that we live in a country with such enormous diabetes rates, and I feel like sometimes I got to explain diabetes because no one understands what's going on. You know, it's a crazy world we live in. I think, <laughs> but. uh I just explained this way because again, I don't know. Maybe I'll explain it a little differently. Than you've heard, and you might know this stuff too. But basically, diabetes simply is when we're increasing our blood sugar, right? Our glucose levels, and so when we eat flour or sugar, it raises our glucose levels, our and that and our blood, our blood sugar, right? The glucose goes up, and so as soon as the glucose goes up, we have to clear it out because too much glucose is toxic, and so we release insulin pancreas releases insulin to lower the glucose levels and so basically what happens is the glucose or the insulin is like a key it unlocks the cells and pushes the glucose out of the blood into the cells and so then what happens though is a lot of times when we we're not good at regulating insulin in our body because we evolved an environment where we weren't able to spike our blood sugar levels think about that for a second really let that sink in if i dropped you off in the woods you you couldn't spike your glucose levels if you tried you know, maybe if you if you ran into a beehive and started eating it, but you're not spiking your glucose levels. This is a modern thing. And so what the main things that spike glucose levels, sugar and flour, right? Because they're both powdered substances, so they're absorbed very quickly. And so they spike the, the blood sugar levels. The insulin comes in and clears it out. But again, our brain, body's not very good at regulating that because we haven't evolved to do that. We've never had to deal with glucose spikes in history. And so a lot of times what happens is we release too much insulin, which is also toxic, by the way, at high levels, and that too much clears out the glucose. Now we clear too much glucose out of the blood. And guess what happens now? You get tired and hungry, right? So now you say, oh, I got to eat something. And again, I better eat that muffin. I better eat that cookie. My blood sugar is low. And then we eat that and then we spike the blood sugar again. And then we got to release the insulin again. And so we keep doing this. So basically, you know, insulin resistance, pre-diabetic is basically, you know, the insulin's going in so often. Oh, okay, I got to unlock the key, open the door, put it in there. You use the key so much, it starts getting worn. 
you know, and again, I'm using metaphors to explain it, but this is resistance, right? The cells get resistance to the insulin, unlock them, push them to the glucose. In. And so eventually what happens is we get resistant to the insulin. So our pancreas creates more insulin and um, eventually the pancreas cells get depleted and we can't produce as much insulin as we need. So um, yeah, to be pre-diabetic, you know, the, the the core way to deal with it. Now, again, medicine wants to give you medicine, right? Doctors want to give you medicine to deal with this. Even Ozempic uh, is, that's what its deal is, is what it does is it causes your, your pancreas cells to create more insulin, right? Juices them up even more, but it doesn't deal with the core problem, which is that you're consuming foods that are spiking your blood sugars, right? So when it goes to keto, yeah, keto will probably help you with that because there won't be any carbs or sugars going in your body, right? So you're not going to be spiking your blood sugar. So in that sense, it'll probably help your numbers. But uh, on the bad sense is that keto is for 99% of people going to be a short-term solution. It's not going to be something you're going to live with because you're going to get two months into it. And you're going to feel like shit. You'll feel great initially because you're going to start losing some weight. Your blood sugar is going to go down. Your body's going to clear out a little bit. But then you're going to fill your gut up with, uh, you know, meat and protein for <laughs> three months, two months, not put any carbs in there, any vegetables or fruits in there. And uh, you're going to start to feel like shit. And it's, it's a, a hard diet to live with in the real world. And so then what will happen is you're like, I can't keep doing this. And then you just go back to what you always did, which is what most people do with their diets. They just always go back to what they did. So... What I'm suggesting, another way to approach it is that you start to reduce and limit your sugar and flour consumption right out the bat, okay? Because that's a lot of the good stuff or a lot of the bad stuff that's causing the problem, you know? And so you can get more specific than that as you move forward. But there's kind of a big, you know, kind of overview take of it. I hope that's helpful. Um, sustainable. Yep. Great job. Erica, and you are inspiring me so much. Feel shift on mindset. That's great, Lorena. <laughs> Um, Azra, what's the pattern of this causing the stress? Don't let yourself get ravenous. Yeah, there you go, Azra. Those are great questions. Yeah. Don't let yourself get too ravenous. And that's probably the best advice I could ever give to a dieter because dieters are constantly subconsciously always trying to skip meals and lower calories, you know? So program yourself then we're managing our, our hunger. Dieters are always trying to get themselves as hungry as possible so that, cause they think that's going to make them lose weight the fastest. So yeah, you, but as you got to notice the patterns. Yeah, what's the pattern? What's my stress patterns? That that stress eating that you were referring to in the beginning, which one are you referring to? Or is there one specific stress pattern you have? And what's it related to? Right? So so again, it's it's recognizing the patterns of things and dealing with it that way. And you got to think about it in very specific context. So you know, oh, I'm just going to stop my stress eating. Well, you might have three or four different stress types of stress eating. You know? So you got to know, you have the strategies for each one. John says, my tracker show me at 26% of the way to my goal. I've been looking at that as opposed to the scale. Same number told me yesterday. Yeah, so John's on in the program, but I was telling him yesterday, and I'll give this advice to Ollie. This is so important. But along your weight loss journey, uh, when you're, let's just say, you know, you oh, I'm down 14 pounds. Don't just measure your shit in pounds because it, it, there's no context to it, right? So it's like, oh, I lost 13 pounds. So I'm going to share John's story because I know he wouldn't care. But so John's down 13 pounds since January 1st. And he's plateaued the last two weeks. But now, so now he's getting a little discouraged, right? And then he's a dieter. So he's, he's used to the keto intermittent fasting, big weight loss in the beginning piece of it. So it's, it's a mind, it's a mind fuck. It's a mess with his head. And so one of the most important things you can do is not just count your success in terms of the weight loss, but put it into a percentage of what your weight loss goal is. So let's just say, for example, you want to lose 50 pounds. Okay. If you want to lose 50 pounds, um, 13 pounds, I think that was, might've been your goal even. 
I might get the numbers wrong, but you'll see what I'm saying. But so if you want to lose 50 pounds and you've lost 13 pounds, that's 26% of the way there. You know what I mean? So 26% of the way to my goal feels a lot different than I lost 13 pounds and I'm stuck here. Okay. I, to me, I'll take all day long that I'm 26% of the way to my goal after the six weeks. This feels, this is great. You know? So again, dieters, I was, I was thinking this yesterday after our call yesterday, John, that, uh, dieters are especially they're they're very point a and point b you know you start your thing and then you're so fixated on getting to the goal but you don't enjoy any of the pleasure along the way it's a weird thing to think like if you get a quarter of the way to your goal that you wouldn't feel at least the quarter of the pleasure that you deserve and then you get 50 percent feel 50 percent of the pleasure but dieters are always like withholding all the good feelings because they're using that as motivation to keep themselves going so it doesn't have to be that way and i don't think that's a good strategy so again, don't think about, don't put your, your weight loss in pounds just because again, if we all lost this much weight, we disembody it from the context. And once you put it into a percentage, it, it's more context to, for your brain to glom onto. And it feels better. It feels a lot better to be like, oh, I'm stuck at 13 pounds than it is to say I'm 26% of the way to my goal. Do people with ADD have difficulty with hypnosis? Um, 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 um yeah, probably probably but you know to be honest whether you have ADD like officially or whether you just struggle with distraction you can get better at it no matter what you can improve it it's a skill set so even if you have you may not you know again if you have ADD you're not gonna get as good as someone doesn't have it I get that but you can get better and that's the word I, I really program yourself then is a, is a better system meaning we're not trying to be perfect right out the gate we're just trying to be better it's really built on the one percent better each day philosophy which is really is the philosophy of success in life because you can't make everything happen all at once. But if you consistently get 1% better, you'd be shocked at where you end up a year from now. So that's one more thing. So do they have difficulty with hypnosis? I mean, yeah, maybe, but you just work with it. Again, program yourself is really about more using hypnosis on yourself ultimately anyways. And once you start to learn how to interact with yourself, you can always make things better. Um, Connie says, using your hypnosis is the first experience. Wait a second. Is the first experience I think I've ever had with actual relaxation. Yeah, Connie, that that's not, I've heard that my entire career, always. That was the first thing. I remember I started my hypnosis office and I would have wins and losses and all the rest. And I was like, hey, Jesus, I don't know what's, I don't know. Sometimes I'm successful with these people, sometimes I'm not. What's something I 100% know I can do and help these people with? And that was relaxation. Every single person that came in, I was able to relax them tremendously. And so, yeah, that that's, to me, that's the first thing about hypnosis is that it's a great, wonderful way to relax. And for a lot of people, that's the first time they've ever relaxed. And it's a huge part of the process. All right. Um, for keto people, keep talking about higher LDL. Yeah, of course. Right. Um, yeah, keto people, of course, is higher LDL. Uh, you know, it, and you're going to have higher saturated fat. Again, most people, right? Everyone's unique, you know, in their own way. But yeah, if you're, if you're eating lots and lots of animal protein, uh, it, it's pretty documented that you're going to increase, you know, your cholesterol, your uh, saturated fat numbers and all these things. I mean, it's, <laughs> I know like, you know what I mean? Like, like you can, like I was telling you, like a fucking doctor talking about plant chemicals, you know, but to saying don't eat plants. And you're just like, you know, I have been around the block enough now to know, like, it's such a weird thing, you know, in, in our society that the biggest hypnotists in our society are doctors and policemen, police people. Right. And so, uh, we just give them a lot more credit than they deserve. I, again, and I love doctors. I'm not, I'm, I listen to doctors. Okay. But we give them more credit than what they actually, 
I don't, I don't like the way I'm saying it, but they don't have as much exper expertise in every area that we think they do, is all I'm saying. And so I'm only referring to this doctor who was talking about don't eat plants because they have plant chemicals, you know? And that, that's such an asinine thing to say. It's dangerous too on top of it. I think of that because there was a point where I have, I have um, familial uh, high cholesterol, you know? Like I, I'm practically, I've been practically a vegan for 20 years and I have high cholesterol, like 250, okay? So it's, it's 100% genetic. And so I've done everything I can to cut it down. <laughs> it never goes down. So uh, I was in that. I started researching it. And you see, you see doctors say, oh, don't worry about cholesterol. It's fine. It doesn't even matter. And again, maybe they're right. You know, I guess who knows? But uh, that's not what... So here, I, I do love doctors. I love cardiologists. <laughs> People that spend their last 40 years of their lives obsessively reading everything about hearts and, and, you know, cholesterol and LDL and HDL and all this stuff. So, yeah. And I listen to them and it's very clear, you know, that they zeroing in more and more on LDL. Now, you may disagree with that. And I respect that. Fine. I believe it. And so, you know, I take a statin to lower that because I want to do everything I can to live as long as I can. And if they're all saying, all these experts there are saying the LDL is the main thing, lower it down, I'm all for it. I'm doing it. Um, but I think you also, you know, you got to take into account uh, that there's a lot of bullshit out there. It's a tough world. What do you want? You know, I mean, it's, it's a, that's one of the hard things we got to deal with. There's so much misinformation there and it's coming from people that seem like they, they should be trustworthy, but they're not. So I don't know. You just, you got to, you got to just got to figure a lot of things out for yourself. You know, I wish they're clear, easy answers. But yeah, keto people on average are probably going to have higher um, cholesterol because you're eating way more animal um, proteins. You know, uh, Melanie says, Ozempic makes me feel fuller faster and make healthier choices daily since my hunger is reduced. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, Ozempic, when it works, that's what it does, right? It helps, um, it helps reduce the food noise and uh, it helps people make healthier choices. Now, again, I'm always here to be positive. I always say this. So, um, the, you know, that, that's the good side of Ozempic. <laughs> the downside of Ozempic is that it's a, it's a chemical, it's a chemical thing. Now, again, I'm take, I'll take statins for the rest of my life. So there you go. Um, of course the statins cost me $6 <laughs> every three months. So, you know, the first thing about Ozempic is, is the expense of it and the fact that we taking it forever. Um, the second thing is that, you know, we'll find out what it does, you know, who knows, maybe it's really healthy, you know, we'll find out. Um, the third thing, the biggest one of all though, is that it's just one thing. You know, and so again, for me, I like to focus on weight mastery and that includes mindset, lifestyle and eating strategies that you master. And so I think that again, Ozempic, this idea that you can eat less, I, I tend to think there's more to it than that, you know? And, and again, I'm not saying for every, every single person, um, but for the average person that I work with, they don't, they want to, they want to master it themselves. You don't get this figured out. And so when it comes to food noise, which is what the big, um, the Zempic thing is I've been dealing with food noise for 30 years. The, the biggest food noise is what you're saying to yourself in your head, you know, and that's what I help people do is take control of that voice in their head and influence it. So it supports them. And so, um, I'm not knocking the Zempic can help with that. Those things, like you said, um, it, it's kind of the bigger picture of it, you know, where it's going to all going to lead to, but I'm glad you're getting some results. Um, yeah, but it's not sustainable though. Side effects and does nothing for your way of thinking. That's probably true. Uh, those are the numbers. Yeah, right. And don't forget, losing inches is as good as losing pounds. Yeah, absolutely, Chuck. Right, absolutely. Yeah, that's just another way. Yeah, another way to measure it. It's not just uh, not just the the pounds. I tried everything when I changed my mindset was when I got to 130 pounds and kept it that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you, Girl Million. I'm glad you said that. We, we need that message more and more and more. Um, it's always a mindset thing. 
you know, and that, that's what I was kind of getting to with the Ozempic thing. And I'm not knocking anyone, you know, everyone do what you got to do. Okay. So I want to just state that first, but I'm, I'm talking kind of like, I'm, I'm probably talking to a lot of you. Cause I know the people that listen to me are a certain type of person, right? And, and they're a little bit like me in the way that we're overthinkers, um, some degree perfectionists, and we want to figure things out and, and do things like we want to take action and do things the right way. And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong, okay? But I'm saying for a lot of people that I work with, because I work with some people that are even on, on Ozempic and Manjaro's and all that, um, but they're doing it while they learn how to deal with their mindset, you know? And so uh, they don't feel they don't feel like they've really mastered. They don't feel like they've truly succeeded unless they've kind of done it in this holistic way themselves. And so, again, I'm not putting that on you. If you, if you don't feel that way, great. I'm, I'm not judging you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about it. But a lot of the people that I work with, they want to master this area of their lives. They want to get it down. They're obsessed with it, but they've been obsessed with not getting the results they want. And they want to get obsessed with it and master it. And um, again, those it, it almost like... And I, don't, I hate saying this, but, but it almost, for, for a lot of people, it feels like they're almost like cheating with it, even if they're getting some results. And there's an anxiety that they think I have to do this forever. And an anxiety, like, I'm not really sure what this is doing to me. So, so there's a bit of that too. So again, I only said to give the full picture. Again, I, I respect and I understand and acknowledge that if you're you know, having an easier time making food choices, well, we all know that, okay? But I think it's fair to, to kind of put the full picture as well and some of the negatives about it. Um, Don says, I literally fluctuate all the time, but overall down, focus on trend. Yeah, absolutely. I, I fluctuate all the time too. It's about the trend. Absolutely, Don. Um, yeah, Rocket Girl, ADHD, yep. Yeah, it's tough. But again, like I said, if you have ADD, if you have ADHD, and I know this, I, I have a, a friend who I started off hypnosis with, um, had ADD, and uh, he did a bunch of hypnosis programs, and he used hypnosis to help manage it. So again, I, I have no doubt that those, those are real things you're dealing with, but there's also real strategies you can use to make them make it better. Okay, so, so I think that part's important too. Um, wow, waiting to celebrate the success till you get to the finish line really hit home. That's great, John. I'm really, I'm glad. Okay, yeah, start celebrating now. Because again, as a dieter, you're always so scared to celebrate. I, I, I mean, the dieter mindset, I, I could write a whole book on it. It's so screwed up from, from top to bottom. But that's just one more little piece of it that you never let yourself feel all the good feelings until you get to that finish line. And if you don't do that, it's almost impossible to hit the finish line. <laughs> uh, what's up, Jody? Oh my God, being calm was a game changer. It was instant. Yeah, Jody, that was a big thing for her. She's in the program. Um, but yeah, being able to meditate and calm herself down, you know? And again, Jody's one of those people. I, and I, I, I relate a lot to Jody because we're, we're definitely overthinkers and um, tweaked up nervous systems. And so... Yeah, without the meditation and the yoga and the, and the calming down, I don't. I don't think I'd be here right now. You know, like, like I, doing this stuff. I, it's such a fundamental part of the whole process for so many reasons. So once you get that down, it makes everything so much easier. And it feels a lot better. Um, is it possible to gain ten to twelve pounds in five to six days? I know it's mostly water weight, but how do I stop binge cheating? Um, yeah, is it possible to gain ten to twelve pounds? Oh, for sure, for sure. I see, again, weight gain, weight fluctuations are wild. I, I could gain, I've in 24 hours, the biggest weight fluctuation I've had is about five pounds. That's an outlier, but that's the biggest one I remember. And so, yeah, if you, you really hit it hard for a couple of days with, with bullshit eating and stuff, um, that's a tough one. But how do I stop binge, binge eating? Um, the thing about that is don't stop binge eating. Start to understand it, okay? So look, the, the five minutes before you start binge eating, go back in time in your mind to that five minutes before you started binge eating, and I want you to focus on two things. How hungry were you and what emotional state were you in? And once you recognize those two things, you may start to realize, holy shit, every time I binge, one or both of those things are going on, 
You know, I'm starving and or I'm really in some negative emotional place. And once you start to understand what's triggering it, then you can go to work on resolving it. All right. But I want you to stop the binge eating because you're using that as a way to deal with the obviously the hunger and or the emotions. All right. So just be more strategic. Um, Fire fruit. Hi, do you recommend frequent checks on the scale or not? I find it helpful. It doesn't enforce the ED. Um, yeah, I. I always say, again, the golden rule, there's no right or wrong, there's only what works for you. If you don't want to use a scale, don't use a scale. But if you're going to use a scale, I can't think of anything crueler to do to yourself than to weigh yourself once a week. I, I think that is just one of the cruelest things that dieters do to themselves because your weight fluctuates all over the place. And so you start your journey and let's just say you fluctuated, you're down two pounds and you do everything great and wonderful for a week and then you step on the scale and you're up two pounds, you know, and it's like now it looks like you didn't lose any weight. And it's very, it's just, it's so discouraging. And if you step on the scale one day later, you might realize you're down two or four pounds. So again, I think weighing yourself every day, I think is wonderful if you're going to use a scale because it lets you know how your body operates, right? It lets you know, you know, just all sorts of patterns. Um, oh, I ate a lot of salt yesterday. Oh, I didn't drink any water. I drank a bunch of water. And you really start to understand your body. But the most important thing I think is, is to, in their mindset pieces, number one is if you weigh yourself every day, you're sending a strong message to yourself. This is important to me. I'm going to weigh myself. You know what I mean? I want to, this is something I'm tracking. So I'm going to do it every day. But then the biggest one I think of all is it allows you to work through a lot of emotions, you know, because I know a lot of people have all this emotion tied to the scale, but that's all conditioned into you. You know, the scale at the end of the day, ultimately should feel like the speedometer of your car where you just, you know, you're not scared to look at the speedometer of your car. You look at it. If you're going too fast, you know how to slow down. If you're going too slow, you know, you speed up. But the reason you're not scared to look at the speedometer is because you know how to speed up or slow down. So again, the scale is not the problem. The scale just elicits and triggers what the real problem is, is that you don't know how to control your eating. You don't know how to influence your eating consistently. You don't know how to get yourself to live a healthy lifestyle. That's what the scale is really, you know, um, revealing. And so it's not the scale itself. It's the fact that you don't know how to control your eating. You don't know how to control your eating because you don't know how to control your mind. So anyways, that's my feeling on that. But again, you always have to base on what works for you. Yep, thinking differently. Yep, yep, yep. Um, love the insanity reference in your video you've recently posted. Um, oh yeah, for sure, right? Yeah, it, it's it's so true. You got to do things different. It's so fascinating. And our brain doesn't want to do things different. Our brain's main organizing principle is to conserve energy. And so we tend to keep doing the same thing, even if they're not getting the results we want, because it's just easier. It's not easy to do new things. This is why program yourself thin. The core part of the program is the program yourself thin technique, which is really two techniques, a redo technique and a rehearsal technique. This is a hypnosis technique that I teach you um, that you use every night. It takes about a minute or two. But the there's a million reasons why it's really important. But one of the biggest of all is that it carves out a little bit of space in your day where you get to focus on solutions because focusing on solutions is not something your brain naturally does. It tends to focus on the problem. And so when you focus on the solution, it's amazing how quickly you start to reveal them and, and start to stack them up. Um, yeah, thinking differently, I checked that. Thinking differently is definitely a lifelong game changer. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's the whole thing. I mean, again, how are you gonna change your weight long-term if you don't change your thinking? You know, like, like, again, especially if you're a dieter, dieters are only focused on losing weight. That's why I'm always trying to make the distinction between weight loss and weight mastery. Weight loss is all about just getting to your goal weight. And then you, then what, then what, then what? I'll figure it out then. Well, what's the plan? What plan have you cobbled together of when you get to your goal weight? And I know the answer is, I don't know. You know, um, Joy says, why do you take statin drugs when there's so much controversy about them? Um, yeah, but that controversy to me is bullshit. 
you know who who's where, where's the controversy coming from i don't see a lot of cardiologists have arguing with each other <laughs> not really you know what i mean i see a lot of people that fucking don't know what they're talking about i i feel this way all the time i get very emotional about this because it's everything i mean why do we have keto diets why do we have carnivore diets you know people believe anything you know so the statin stuff um and i and i get i know it's kind of a hot button thing um, but I just want to give the other side of it. Cause you know, it's like people that I find the most, the loudest people are the people that are talking about all the horrible shit about statins. And I find them to be a lot of times the least, uh, the least knowledgeable, you know, is that the Dunning-Kruger effect? You know, the people that know the least think they know the most. So I don't know. Yeah. And statins have been the most, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad you're asking this joy. Cause I, I, I could talk about this all day. Cause Joy says, isn't there a more natural way to handle the cholesterol instead of statin drugs? You tell me what? what go on a vegan diet okay i did that right what else you know you tell me other ways because here i am almost 50 years old and i've been i've been living this way for 20 years on top of it so what other natural way is there take some berry from the from the forest you know <laughs> so it's like it's i i, I could have this conversation all day long because i think this gets to the heart of why we're so confused you know and it becomes like who are we going to listen to who are you going to listen to about? So my, my dad died at 54 of a heart attack. Okay, so let, let me just give you a little context. And so here I am, been at my, my ideal weight for 30 years. Uh, I eat practically, you know, I'm vegetarian, but I, I, it's a vegan-ish. I don't really eat much cheese or dairy, right? And so how can I lower my cholesterol anymore? Right? I, I tried everything. And so here I am now, almost 50, and I got elevated cholesterol, especially LDL, really high. So what should I do? You know? So I, 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 so, so, <laughs> I think the funny part though is when you, when, you, when you look at the two sides of it, right? On one side, and I know again, and I'm skeptical of medicine just as much as anyone, but you look at one side and you take 50 years of, of science on statins and hearts, and then you compare it to the other side, what? What? Osteopaths, chiropractors, natural health people, you know what I mean? And so everyone's got to make their choice. I'm not judging them. You all, we all get to make our choices. But now I'm sitting walking around where my LDL was like 140, um, 150. Now it's at like 78. And I'm feeling great about it. So, <laughs> and I have no side effects, by the way. The side effects from statins, what? The muscle soreness, the um, the exhaustion and the, and the fatigue. I don't have any of that, you know? So... And even if I did, I'd probably still do it. <laughs> but I don't have any of that anyway. So I'm not sure what side effects. Those are the only side effects I'd heard about. But uh, I have not seen any natural um, LDL lowering. Someone sent me a funny thing yesterday about Oreo cookies being a natural LDL. But that's what I mean. Like when you start, it's just, it's, anyways, I was going to move on past that. But um, unbelievable that information, what you're talking about for us weekly is free. We have to learn from it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Um, whoops. Uh, yeah, Connie says, I gained 13 pounds on a cruise a few years ago. Excited to cruise again and not have that happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got something in my program that they, they went on a cruise and actually lost weight. I thought that was crazy. I'd never heard of that one. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, Eric says, I weigh daily. It's wild how much it fluctuates. Yeah, it helps me know what to adjust in food structuring, though. Exactly. I, and, and Again, I think there's a lot of benefits to weighing every day if you're going to use a scale. Uh, and so I think you just learn a lot and you, you move past that, that um, you, you move past that fear. I, again, I, I can't, it's very, again, it's so helpful to like not have all that anxiety. Cause again, it's not the scale. The scale just reveals, the scale's like the easiest way to reveal your intense, deep seated fear that the truth is you don't fucking know how to lose weight. 
And that's a scary thing. And I get it because you've been trying to lose weight for decades now. And if you're really honest, you don't, you don't have any better idea how to lose weight now than you did before you started your first diet. And that is a horrible thought, but it's true. And so you got to realize that though, and put yourself on a path of weight mastery. Just learn to master this stuff. It's not rocket science. It's just calm down, <laughs> dedicate a year to, to mastering your weight and then be done with it. Move on. <laughs> I've heard this concept from another TikToker, Jason, and he said all the things that we should do as a way of taking a, of a good habit are based on the concept that we can delay short-term gratification for long-term effects. Yeah. Yeah, delay, being able to delay short-term gratification is one way to do that, but I like to go a step further and not not that because our brain, we want instant gratification, okay? So yes, some, sometimes we've got to delay gratification. I get that. But I like to reframe that a bit and say, I want the instant gratification of feeling good about the choice I made, okay? So let's just say there's a food decision to be made. And I got an apple in front of me and a pint of Ben & Jerry's ice cream. So I could say, well, I'm gonna delay the pleasure of the ice cream so I can get the pleasure of the weight loss. But that, I don't, that to me, I could do it, but it's not what I really wanna focus on because we do a thing called future discounting. We discount the future. So it's like the idea of like weight loss in the future is a lot less appealing than the pleasure of the ice cream right now, okay? So what I like to do is I like to, I like to take instant gratification against instant gratification. So there's the instant gratification of the ice cream and, and me eating it, but there's also the instant gratification of how I feel when I say, I don't want that, I'm gonna have the apple instead. And you can pretend that that doesn't exist because you've been conditioned to just focus on the, the sensual pleasures of the ice cream. But I've conditioned and focused on the consequence that as soon as I make a good decision, I feel like a better version of myself. I say, all right, Jim, you know, I start feeling more positively in my head. I start having more brighter, positive emotions. I feel better physically. So I like the instant gratification of making great choices. So I use that as well. So again, I'll, I'll use all of them. I use everything in my, 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 um, my disposal. Do plant sterols work? I don't even know what a plant sterile is. Let's look that up. Plant sterols. Oh, okay. Plant sterols, how they help manage cholesterol. Um, I've never tried plant sterols, but I'm just going to imagine they don't. <laughs> but um, what you teach is exactly to change the thinking pattern. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We tend to gravitate to that which we believe, whether it's true or not. Yeah, Chuck, exactly. That's exactly true. And I will tell you, I did get back to the cholesterol, and I'll leave this as long as I know a lot of people don't hear it. I know it's a, it's a contentious issue for people. But um, when I first, I remember it was like probably 15 years ago, I was like, holy shit, I got high cholesterol. I couldn't believe it. I was gobsmacked, okay? Because I was healthy. Healthy is, I'm, I'm an outlier in my health, right? I'm one of the healthier people you'll ever meet, okay? So that was a real gobsmacking number for me to see. And I remember I said, okay, I'm going to research this. And that's when I realized instantly, because I started researching, I did not realize I was getting people saying, cholesterol, your cholesterol doesn't matter. The cholesterol numbers don't matter. And I started saying, yeah, fuck that. Because I wanted to believe that because I'm healthy and whatever. And so I'm not sitting here. Maybe cholesterol numbers don't matter. Maybe they don't. Okay. But maybe they do. And so I look in both those ways. And it's much scarier to me. My dad died at 54 of a heart attack. I'm sitting here almost as a vegan with super high cholesterol. So it's, it's, it's again, there's emotions in there that you probably don't have, right? And so for me, I'm going to go what I think is probably the safest way for me. And again, I take the statins. I don't have any side effects. So, um, 
but we do. We end it. We gravitate to what we believe, whether it's true or not. We do. We we base our feelings on emotions, basically. There's a, there's a lot of truth to that, Chuck. I agree. Um, why are you vegetarian? If you don't mind me asking, genuine curiosity, not diet or asking a promise. <laughs> um, why am I vegetarian? That's a great story. I love that story because to me, and I was a huge meat eater. I ate meat twice a day my entire life. I, I was a huge meat eater, and so what happened is I started doing yoga. A lot of things happened to me in a short period of time. I always say this story, but I'll save the, the long version. In, in a month in my life, I took a semester out from college. I was in a tough spot. I was 50 pounds heavier. I was binge drinking. I was not in a good place. Um, I took a month off, or a semester out from college. And in one month, that, that was one magical month there, I was exposed to personal development, Tony Robbins, hypnosis, neurolinguistic programming, yoga, meditation, martial arts, guitar, all of these things. And so I began really getting to the yoga piece of it. And the yoga was the first time I'd ever really even heard about vegetarianism. And, and my, my girlfriend my, was my wife at the time. You know, she kind of would talk about it somewhat too. She was a meat eater too, but we all kind of looked into it a little bit. And I will tell you honestly, and this is the phrase I use. Some people think this is funny, but I, this is genuinely how it felt for me. I just felt like a vegetarian. It, it was a very easy transformation for me to make. I always joke around like, again, depending on what you're, you're thinking on this is, but I think like sexuality is something we're kind of born with. And so I just feel like deep down, I was a vegetarian. It was just a very easy transition. So it never felt like, oh, I can't eat meat anymore. It really just felt like very, very quickly. I was like, I feel better and I like being a vegetarian. And so I, I never pushed that though, but you notice that, right? I never really talk about it. Um, because program yourself thins diagnostic. I help people all over the place. They want carnivore, keto, whatever they want to be. I'm there to help them. So I don't care what diet you choose to follow as long as it works for you. Um, but for me, the vegetarian thing, it just it just fit. It felt it felt like a hand on glove. And it, it's very funny looking back on it. And I I learned a lot from that experience because I see some people that like really try to become a vegetarian. It's a whole thing. It just wasn't like that for me. So that's why I don't talk about other people become vegetarian because for me it just felt like. And back then it was different. You know, everyone understands vegetarianism now, but it was different. It wasn't like it's out there. You know, this is really almost like before the internet. You know, it was just like right at the very dawn of it. So, um, you know, if you want to learn about vegetarianism, like random books in like health food stores. So it was just a completely different concept, but it just fit for me. So that that's kind of how it was. I don't know. So it's hard to even explain it. I don't know how it happened. There, there's cycle. I mean, I will tell you, I so if I go to a deeper level, also at the time I did make the decision, I realized that if I stop eating meat, that's like 60% of the, the most unhealthy shit I ate was meat-based. And so I was like, if I stop eating meat, that's gonna make it a lot easier to control my weight too. So that was a part of it. That was a big part of it. Um, and then there was the moral piece of it. As I started to realize, you know, how the animals are treated, I didn't really want to be a part of that. So that was a, a smaller piece of it, but it was a piece. Um, so I don't like to put that on people that aren't ready to make that. And that's not my place in the world. That's not, that's not the hole I want to carve out. But um, I could talk about vegetarianism all day long too, but I just choose not to because uh, I don't want to... I want to meet people where they're at. And I find that's another device. You see that with the cholesterol thing, that's a divisive one. But um, the, the, the food one's even more divisive. So I, I, I try to stick to, you know, <laughs> things that aren't so divisive. What about the apple with a small spoonful of ice cream? <laughs> there you go, Erica. And that's a fine, that's a fine strategy too, right? Because again, if you have a, a scoop of the ice cream, and I think that's another great solution sometimes is um, instead of eating the pint, you scoop out some and have some of that and feel good. Like the sweet spot, how can you get the most pleasure out of it? So good job, Erica. I like that a lot too. That's a great one. Yeah, appreciate your answer. I'm good. Um, look for better answers and you'll find them. Oh, absolutely, Chuck, right? 
I agree. I can't see myself as a vegetarian at all. I mean, I do see your point that it's deep in your nature. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, that's why I say it. Cause I know some people just feel like that's not my thing. And, and so I respect that. I, I, I get that. Cause to be honest, I think vegetarians, it's a healthy diet for sure. But I, I truly believe you can be just as healthy, if not even more healthy, maybe um, eating animal protein and I eat fish too. So I'm not going to sit here. You know what I mean? Just cause I don't, I can't explain it to some degree. I, I, I can, I will be, okay. I'll just be honest. I, I think the farming aspect of it is, is a problem for me. Um, so I will eat fish. I'll eat like clams, you know, mussels, I'll eat some shrimp, but not my favorite. Um, salmon, you know, like Alaskan salmon. That, that's kind of the majority of it. Sometimes I'll eat tuna like very rarely. Um, but the, the farming piece that I didn't like then, and I don't like it now. And I'm kind of glad I avoided all that because that's, again, that's another piece of this whole thing. Um, one of the things they're, they're talking about in that book is that for a hundred years, all of, and it's the vegetables too, but especially livestock, all livestock has been optimized for economic concerns, right? So basically they're looking for the fastest growing chicken, not the most flavorful, nutritious chicken. You know what I mean? So there, there's all that aspect too. So I, I don't know, but, but yeah, I, that's just not, that's not the hill I'm dying. That, that's not what I'm doing here. So uh, I kind of let that go, but everyone gets to make their own decision with that whole thing. Um, oh, how about an ice cream? Yeah. So you could switch it up that way too. But, um, yeah, and again, there's, there's, that's the point, right? There's lots of solutions. And uh, that, that brings up the kind of three R's of weight loss. Replace, reduce, remove. Right? We don't just have to remove stuff. There's other options. And I think the more options you give yourself, the better it can feel, you know? Um, Firefruit says, I appreciate, appreciate you and your content as it is a perfect depiction of the Latin. Know yourself. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. that that's a core part of this whole thing. It's really understanding who you are as a person, your situation in the world, and figuring out how you can thrive in your context. That's why I don't like diets, because they're not made for you, right? Even, I was just thinking this, even a nutritionist and a dietitian, you could go and work with one individually, and they're basically going to tell you, like, the ideal diet. But the ideal diet's got to take into account your lifestyle, your situation, where you're at, your genetics, your preferences, all these things. And I think if you honor yourself and you build around who you are, you're going to end up with a plan that's much stronger, you know, than, than what the diets have felt like, where the diets all feel like you're teetering. And the second you make a mistake, you just, oh, it's completely gone. When you build it around you, it sticks a lot longer. It's a lot stickier, you know, and I think that sets you up for much better success. So, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I, I think that all the time. Um, and then I always keep meaning to look, I'm going to look it up right now. I always, what's the Latin word for that? It's, I know it's like, it's like so common. I can't, oh, I never, I never, you guys never knew that. Was it Temet Noske? That's not what I was thinking. <laughs> but yeah, know thyself for sure. I'm just happy how much we moved in understanding weight mastery, autism, ADHD. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, my Friday salad is my favorite. Oh, that's awesome, John. Great. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you. Been listening for six months. Finally, it's gone in. Weight shifting. Finally, can't believe it. That's great, Moonstone. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's what happens sometimes, you know? Like, it's... uh. Sometimes these days take longer than you think they're going to take. I, I wish it wasn't that way, you know, but who gives a shit? They will happen. Again, your time scale with, with weight is so skewed and crazy because of the diet industry. The diet industry, again, every ad you've seen is always the before and after picture and how long it takes. And it's always outliers pretty much. So um, we, we always measure ourselves against that. And if we don't hit those numbers, we feel very discouraged and frustrated. So um, once you go the weight mastery route is I want to get to my goal weight and live the rest of my life in my goal weight on near autopilot, you know? Uh, the difference is the calmness around food. Yeah. Calmness is enormous, you know, so important. And I'll tell you why. I, I'll tell you that and I gotta get out of here. But um, 
The big reason why it makes such a big difference is that when you're calm and relaxed, you're in your parasympathetic nervous system. And when you're stressed out, like when you're going to your diet mode, you go into your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight, flight, or freeze mode. And when you're fight, flight, or freeze mode, the blood goes from your brain down to your body so that you can fight, flight, or freeze. It's not a thinking state. You're not philosophically, you know, debating things, you know, in a stress state. Um, you're very impulsive and reactionary. And when you're calm and relaxed, the blood goes back up to your brain. You can think more clearly, have more perspective, more calm, more connection to your goals, and it's easier to make better decisions. So that's a huge part. That does so much of the heavy lifting for you. And now you realize most dieters are putting themselves in fight, flight, or freeze mode, which makes it so much harder, you know? Um, yeah, Lorena says, good to hear. I've been listening to Jim for one month, and it feels changes. Yeah, it's great. It's great, guys. Love to hear that. Um, I see, blame like I was like, I just want to be skinny. Um, yeah. That, that's not going to be enough, most likely. You know, the, the desire to want to be skinny is one of those, it's like a fake desire. Like, I'm not saying it's a fake desire. I'm saying it's not strong enough to actually make it a reality for most people. And then you'll realize, you'll get skinny and you realize, oh, this doesn't, this isn't as great as I thought, you know? So I, I would look to create a, a more robust uh, goal than I just want to be skinny. <laughs> Chuck says, please talk about how to anchor yourself to maximize results. Um, I think, you know, it's funny you ask that. And I, I got asked this yesterday in a coaching call we were doing. I think the anchoring is, it, see, because Tony Robbins used to always talk about this. He would talk about like setting anchors, like, like this is my power state. This is my power state. And uh, what I started to realize is like, I would do that. And I was like, this ain't working, you know? And what I realized is I was, I was just like, almost in spite of itself. I was like, what, how come you're not working? How come you're not working? I started to realize you got to like, it's this whole thing. It's a whole attitude. It's a mindset. And most importantly, when it comes to weight, it's really a lot of the strategies that you have available to yourself. And so I'm really a lot of times more fixated on the strategies I have available to me so that the strategies that are easy to do, that are set up for me, keep me in a um, peak state. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like this, the, it's um, like I'll meditate every morning. I'll eat the same breakfast every morning. I'll drink the water in the morning. You know, but I will pretty quick here, take my dog for a walk in the morning. I'll read in the morning. You know, so I got my whole routine that goes through and it's all these things I do consistently that keep me in a peak state. It's not me not having those things and then like just anchoring myself into being a great in a great state. So I hope that makes sense, okay? Because that was a big shift for me. Because if you just think like, oh, regardless of what's going on out here, I'm just going to always be in a peak state. I haven't been able to do that. You know, it's really come down to having the right strategies that, that kind of keep keep kind of keeping me in that state. I hope that helps. Um, generally, do you have good tips for food, lifestyle, and habits? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not getting them now. I got to get out of here. But yeah, that, that's... That's pretty much my whole game. Um, Kelly says, lost two pounds, getting out of plateau, down 45 pounds since November. You'll become a part of my everyday. I'm going to take a picture of that. That is so awesome. Because as I said, uh, my one of my favorite things in the world is when people get into plateaus and then stick with it and then it starts going again. You know, I think that's so wonderful. So wonderful. Um, yeah, Chuck said, yeah, consistency. Got it. And it's not just consistency, though. It, it's having strategies that, that pick you up. You, you know what I mean? And making them easy for you. So for example, um, I'll meditate every, 99% of the time I will meditate before seven in the morning, let's say. Most of the time it's gonna, I'll wake up at two or three in the morning, I'll go meditate, okay? But sometimes I'll just sleep through the night. And so then I will meditate for like five minutes. So I have a couple different plans that, that I can rely on and doing that kind of kicks my day off so I feel better. And then I go and have my breakfast and have my water and then I feel better. And then I read my books, and then I feel better. You see what I'm saying? So it's not it, it's not even just consistent. It's having strategies and routines that, that boost me up and lift me up and, and making them easy to do and having some multiple versions of them. 
if that makes sense. I don't want that to sound overwhelming because that's something I've been working on for a long time, but um, I think that's in, interesting. Um, Dr. Berg, I, I know Dr. Berg, I'm getting blanked here. Let me look him up real quick. Dr. Berg, yeah, yeah, right. I, I watched him. I watched him on something. Um, he specializes in healthy ketosis, intermittent fasting. Um, he sells lots of supplements, electrolyte powders. <laughs> I, 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 I don't like supplements. I don't know. I just, I always get nervous when people start selling supplements and, and bullshit. That's that's just me. I, you know what? It's just a bias I have. You know, but, so whatever. I I have listened to some of his stuff. Um, yeah, we just got different different opinions on stuff. So you know, again, I, I think a lot of people are in the in the diet world, and so I don't I don't judge them. It's kind of like Martin Luther King. They asked him about a general one time. He goes, oh, "He's a good man." They say, "How can you say that? He's a, he's a man of war, and you're a man of peace." He goes, "I judge people based on how they live up to their values, not how they live up to mine." So you know, I I think that if you're doing ketosis, if you're learning about healthy ketosis, whatever that means. That's probably better than regular ketosis, I guess. But it's all an overreaction that most 99% of people are probably aren't going to stick with. And by the time you realize that, you'll probably have spent a ton of money on electrolyte powders and, uh, you know, his shop, his supplement shop. Let's look at that. Yeah, right. What do we got here? Electrolyte powder for 35 bucks. Well, it's a discount. So you get it. It's usually 50 bucks. You get that for 35 bucks. An electrolyte powder. Gallbladder formula. Yeah. Trace minerals enhanced, you know. I think I think all that stuff's kind of bullshit. I like to get my my supplementation through the food I eat. You know what I mean? I like to eat like again, my clean eating is a lot of nutrient dense, nutrient variety foods. So I like to get my supplements from there. So I'm always a little a little sketched by people. Um always selling that shit. But that's me, you know. Again, a lot of, if you if you if you love keto and intermittent fasting, you're probably not listening to me, anyways. You know, or maybe you are. Um, do you track calories and what your system? Oh, she asked that. Nope. Nice. I learned a ton from his explanation vids. To be honest, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, great. Um, and that's what I mean. Like, and, and by the way, I think you should learn from everyone. I, I want to make that clear. I think you know every everything's good and bad. Everyone's good and bad. I, everything I'm saying is not going to be for you. You know, so take the stuff that resonates and, and keep it. And the stuff I say that you don't agree with, just let it go you know doesn't don't hear the bad stuff that you don't oh this guy would take statins you think statins are good he's an asshole you know it's like oh yeah okay i'm an asshole but i can still say some other good things about weight you know and i think that's good that's why dr berg I, i've seen him before and he says i i like some of the things he says i'm sure i agree with with a number of things i get confused i see so many people i kind of blank them all out um i don't i don't love the supplement thing you know what i mean like like personally i just think it's a business model i could sell supplements i've had people come up to me about selling supplements I get that shit all the time. Um, I'm not going to do it. I, I, first of all, I just don't use them. So if I believed in them, I'd probably do it, you know, but I don't use them and I don't believe in it. And I just think it's a, I think it's a bandaid on a bigger problem, but, but that's just me. So, so again, I always make that clear that you can learn a ton from people. You don't have to agree with someone hundred percent to learn a ton from them, you know? So I'm, I'm glad if it, if it helps you out. Um, I was surprised how few people know about sugar effect on body, to be honest. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's what I mean. So, um, yeah, without knowing enough of what he's saying, um, you know, he's probably fine. But again, just, again, always bounce it again. Does it work for you? You know? Um, doing a low-carb meat and veggies, eating cleaner. Yeah, super. I appreciate his efforts on this aspect of educating the nation. Yeah, supplements are business. Yeah, supplements are a business. And it's a bullshit business. It, bu it bugs me because the writing seems 
I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm not a supplement expert, so I'll just leave it alone. I'm just going to leave it alone. <laughs> um, everyone can do what they want to do. But uh, when doctors are selling it, I especially, you know, because I don't know what science they're looking at, I suppose. You know, I don't know if they have access to certain science that, that none of us else do, but um, they, they, you know, electrolyte, electrolyte powder, gallbladder powders, you know, really? What's that going to do to my gallbladder? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too pessimistic. <laughs> Anyways, all right, I gotta get out of here. I gotta go. I got a lot of stuff I gotta do. So, all right, everyone, you guys are awesome. This is great, great questions, great calls. Um, thank you so much. Uh, if you're not in my world yet, go to my bio, click the link at the hypnosis session, watch the training, um, read the emails I send you, listen to the podcast, it's program yourself then. And uh, yeah, and uh, have a great weekend and we'll talk soon. Bye.